Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And of course, at CLNS Radio on Twitter. Of course, you can follow Patriots Beat at, at Patriots Beat on Twitter. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on the Twitter. Joining me as always is Bob Snowden, at Snowden Bob. And we have a full fledged podcast for you today with some heavy hitters. Starting off first, just in a couple minutes, we're going to have Mark Daniels, the man for the Patriots Beat on Providence Journal, the ProJo, ProJo.com. Definitely got to listen to what he's going to have to say. And then later on in the podcast, make sure you stay tuned because we have the play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots on their flagship station, 98.5, the Sports Hub. Bob Soshi himself will be talking to him about all things about the New England Patriots, the good, the bad, and the offensive line. <laughs> but without further ado, I'm bringing in my main man, Bob Snowden. Bob, how are you tonight, and what is on your mind? Well, I'm, I'm anxious to see what happens Monday night. I really think this is the first test the Patriots will have, and I know we'll talk about this with our guest, looking at a team that has a legitimate running attack, um, and we'll find out a lot more about our defense, uh, and you know, hopefully get rid of some of the worries we have about the offense and the offensive line. Those are the things, the offensive line is on my mind like everybody else that's a Patriot fan, and I'm real interested to see what what Mark has to say and his thoughts on the offensive line and Bob Sochi heading to Kansas City where the noise is well known within the league, and here we have an offensive line that has trouble to begin with and how they're going to react in a in a very loud Stadium, but let's let's talk about a couple of things before we bring our guest in real quick. Um, this is the last game before the return of Tim's and Browner. Um, Jeff, as you look forward, what impact do, they, do you think the re, those two coming back to the team will have, or will Tim's even be on the team? 
Because you're taking the thunder right out of my lips. Old thunder lips here. I can't even talk about what I want to talk. You're taking you're taking the thunder out. You're taking the spark out of me. I can't understand why you would do that to me, Bob. But here it is. All right. Brandon Browner is, I mean, he's obviously going to be a big part of this defense. Patriots paying him three years, $19 million. Um, this is a guy who was very good in Seattle in the Legion of Boom. They expected him to be on the opposite side of Darrell Revis and really using that physical play, uh, which they're going to need as the season goes on. I expect Browner to come back next week against the Cincinnati Bengals and start to work his way in. I wouldn't expect him to be full-fledged, full-bolt, full-tilt, full-time as Teddy Bruschi is uh, or would say until probably his second or third game uh, with the New England Patriots. As far as Brian Timms goes, listen, a nice camp story, came in, uh, had a great rapport with uh, uh, you know Jimmy Garoppolo, catching the long passes. But right now the Patriots are sitting pretty good wide receivers in Aaron Dobson and in Kembrell Tompkins in back-to-back weeks here. And really, Brandon Timms does, uh, Brian Timms really did nothing uh, with Tom Brady. And, and that goes to show you, Sure, they kept him on the uh, on the active roster, and why wouldn't you? You know, if you cut him, some other team might step up and get him. You had basically a free roster spot for, for the first four weeks of the season. I'll be interesting to see what happens. Maybe he comes up lame in his first uh, practice. Now, they would never do that. But maybe he does come up lame in his first practice, and he ends up on, uh, you know, injured reserve for the uh, for the season. But I don't expect much out of Tim's. Uh, Bolden's the guy I'm looking for. Well, and I agree with you. I think Tim's is, you know, either scheduled to go to injured reserve for some reason. Uh, he probably was hurt while he has been ineligible because, if I remember right, he has been allowed to practice, has he not, Jeff? Am I? No, they are not allowed okay. to practice. So they, he's uh... been home eating and doing all the things when you're not practicing, and he's probably out of shape and will get hurt the very well, exactly. first day he comes back. He's got to understand, listen to the Boston fat guy. You know, sometimes you can pull a groin between the couch and the fridge. I've done it quite a few times. (laughs) Hey, we're looking at Kansas City. This is going to be a tough game. At the beginning of the year, you and I both said this would be the toughest of their first four games. They come into this game. The Pats haven't had a turnover. Knock on wood here. Have not had a turnover this year. They're plus six. Not from lack of trying. Oh, no, well, oh. but still, it's amazing. <laughs> I, you, you know, you're in three games. They're tied for first place. They're plus six. The other side of the coin, Kansas City is minus five. That's the worst. They they don't have a single turnover that they've created yet. So is this a big advantage? You think going into Monday night? Well, that's one of the things. The Patriots have always been. Under Bill Belichick, ever since Tom Brady became the starter in week three of the 2001 season, they actually are plus 168, I think it is, in, in all those years as the uh, as a plus minus as far as turnovers go. And that's huge. When the Patriots win the turnover battle, they usually win games. Um, you know, the Miami game, uh, notwithstanding, as they were, I think, three to two, um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a big thing. If the Patriots can keep hold of the ball, I think that's where they may or may not win or lose this game. they got to, against this Kansas City aggressive aggressive front that can get after the quarterback, uh, they got to be able to protect Tom Brady and keep the hands in the ball in the hands 
of their offense and not turning it over. Because if they turn it over and get that Kansas City crowd into it, it's going to be an awful long night for the New England Patriots. Well, and we tend to look at Alex Smith as a safe quarterback, a smart quarterback. He's made some errors in the first game, but he and Brady statistically are very close this year after three games. I get quarterback rating, I kind of throw out, but I'll throw it out here now anyway. Brady has an 82.9 quarterback rating, and Smith has an 81.5. That's pretty darn close. Uh, neither one of them throw the ball long. Uh, Brady's averaging 5.5 yards per attempt. That's terrible. That's, that's as low, about as low as you can be. And despite the fact we think of Smith as a short passer, he's actually averaging 6.3 yards per attempt. So it'll be interesting to see. These quarterbacks, yeah, Brady obviously has more skills, more talent, much more uh, history to show how good he can be. But as they come into this game, they're pretty close. You want to go to one of our guests and see if we can uh, kind of find out what someone has to say on their side? Well, joining us right now is the Providence Journal's Patriots beat writer, Mark Daniels, and an alumni of University of New Hampshire, the Wildcats, as I look at my UNH banner hanging up in the, men, in the man's room here. In the men's room, Thanks. too. In the men's room, too, at my house. You know, you gotta got to live and die for Wildcats hockey is the way we do it up here in New, at, uh, in New Hampshire. So, Mark, welcome aboard to Patriots Beat. Thank you very much for your time. How are you tonight? Thanks, guys. I'm doing great. And, and i got to say, I, I still rep the 603 area code, even though I live in Boston. So, live, live Where are you die. from? Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Derry, New Hampshire. Oh, beautiful. I live up in New Hampton. Nice. So. And That's I used great. to go to Lake Winnipesaukee every summer, <laughs> so we, we all have a common thread there somehow. Hey, Mark, I noticed you wrote a column earlier this week uh, at the Matt Light Celebrity Shootout on uh, Dante Skarnecchia and, and his reaction and the fact that he didn't want to talk about the Patriots' line problems. Obviously, that's the hot topic with the Patriots right now. What did you read into him not really wanting to go into it at all? You know, it's funny for a guy that's no longer, you know, under control of Bill Belichick. He certainly act like he still was. And <clears throat> honestly, I, I think that was him, you know, still kind of in that Patriot way mold. I didn't think he wanted to say too much. He he obviously pays attention to the games. He watches the Patriots. And I, I know that he knows that, you know, everyone's talking right now about the offensive line. And quite frankly, I don't think that he wanted to be a major distraction He's a very, very nice guy. If you've ever met Dante Scarnecchia, he's very approachable. Um, it's funny, though. I joked with him. I'm like, oh, you know, for a guy that doesn't look that mean, a lot of it feels to me like a lot of the offensive linemen almost like feared him. You know, they, they loved him. They were almost scared of this, this kind of older gentleman. But, yeah, I feel like he's still uh, towing the company line, which is always interesting. Well, now we've moved on to Googe, Dave D., and uh, and his brand of offensive line in his previous stops in uh, in the Dolphins with Brian Dable and of course with the uh, New York Giants and the New York Jets, it was a run first system. The Patriots' offensive line has struggled a little bit to create room for running back Stephen Ridley and of course Shane Vereen and and the man who runs in sand, Brandon Bolden. Can this team with its current players become that dominant offensive line? Well, they're going to have to, and I, I don't know if dominant they'll ever be dominant, but they're going to have to be better. You know, if you can't keep Tom Brady upright, you're not going to win many football games. I mean, granted, the Patriots are in the AFC East. However, 
that they're you know going here on forward, they got to do a better job. And I, and honestly, I think that might start with changing up things. You know, Jordan Devy is a very nice guy. He's a very nice person. That being said, I look at him like a backup. You know, let's get either Ryan Wendell, who's finally off of the injury report, or Brian Stork in there at center. Move Dan Conley at guard because honestly, right now Dan Conley is your best guard. You might as well keep him in there. And, and unfortunately, you're kind of stuck with Marcus Cannon, who in my opinion hasn't been great. So I don't see this line being dominant. I, I think there's just so many moving pieces right now. It's going to take them for a while, take all these guys a while to sort of get used to one another and and kind of playing next to one another I don't know I don't know if it's going to be a dominant group though it might have to be something they um they kind of re uh re-establish in the offseason and going into next year well and it's kind of scary because even when they go into max protection and keep tight ends in and they've got everybody and their brother there to block they still can't seem to stop anyone from getting at Brady even when he's doing a short three-step step and dump it off is there a magic formula to make that work, Mark? You know, you know, it's interesting you said that. And if so, you're hired. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I have the magic formula. I saw one play last week. They're on the two-yard line. They actually put Nate Solder and Sebastian Vollmer next to each other on the left side of the line, and they still couldn't get Shane Vereen in. And I'm like, you know what, if they can't pick, two, pick up two yards with your two best offensive linemen, there's a problem. And I definitely think there's a huge problem. I mean, we have to remember, Nate Solder played next to Logan Mankins for pretty much all of his life. And pretty much for the last two years, Sebastian Vollmer was playing next to, um, you know, Dan Conley. I just think there's so many moving parts right now. These guys, you know, you got moving, moving parts. Logan Mankins no, no longer is there. And you have this new offensive line coach who has a completely different personality. And I think that's all just showing right now. It's just there's so much going on. And I think the guys, their head's probably spinning. Well, one of the things, and I'm not going to spend the whole Q&A here on the offensive line, although it's hard not to, one of the things you're hearing rumors are that the players don't like him. Um, is that a factor, do you think? I don't know. It's, it's, that's interesting. Um, it was interesting that Ryan Wendell went on CSN the other day and, and talked about the adjustment with the new coach. That's not something a lot of guys say. And, and interestingly enough, at Matt Light's charity event, I asked Jordan Devy about him, and he, he told me, quote-unquote, it's a new coach with new terminology. You know, every way has a, has a coach, of, has a way of kind of teaching, teaching, so to speak. And I just think, you know, these guys are so used to a certain way. You know, it's like, for, you know, it's like think about it. You've been going one way for like five years. You've always been turning right. Then all of a sudden, this new person comes in your life, and they want you to turn left. I'm sure there's going to be some hesitation. And I think that's part of it. Whether or not they don't like him or not, I mean, maybe. He's uh, he's definitely a loud guy. He likes to yell. He likes to scream. And maybe that's not going over well. I don't know. I guess, I guess time will tell. Mark, a couple of things that we've seen now uh, in the first three games and going back to the AFC Championship game last week, uh, last year was the fact that Tom Brady has been sometimes uncharacteristically inconsistent as far as throwing the ball. We remember him missing uh, Julian Edelman on a deep pass uh, in Miami the week, uh, the first week of the season, and then again against in the AFC Championship game, and of course missing Rob Gronkowski uh, on basically what would have been about a three-yard three pass to him uh, last week against the Oakland. Um, how much is it, do you think, that Brady is starting to see ghosts now because he doesn't have the confidence in the line, or how much of it could be that he is starting to regress? I think it's a combination of both. I think at 37 years old, it's it's only natural that he is going to start to take step back, a step back. And I know people hate to hear that, 
But I think that's just going to be a part of, you know, every player's career. And, and Tom Brady is certainly not immune to it. And I think it's starting to show. I mean, right now, he's 3 for 22 and throwing for passes over 15 yards. That's And if you round up, that's a 14% completion rate. You know, that that's terrible. And there's been a few times, I actually went back yesterday, I watched every incomplete pass he's thrown this year. There's been a handful of times... I, I counted, you know, I think for deep balls, I, I want to say like 12 times he's had the guy open. He hasn't been pressured, and he's just missing. There's, there's a few times he's missing deep. There's a few times it's sailing out of bounds. I think, you know, last week, remember looking at it, um, there was one play. Uh, Brandon LaFell lines up on the left sideline. They're at the 50-yard line. He runs a post route. By the time he's crossing the 30, Birdie throws the ball, and he gets tipped by Charles Woodson. But it's interesting enough, even if Woodson doesn't tip that ball, it's going to be behind Brandon LaFell who's already beaten his man. We're just seeing that a lot. So, yeah, I, I think he's taking a little bit of a step back with his deep ball accuracy, which has been a problem for him. But at the same time, this the time he's getting in the pocket, according to Pro Football Focus, it's the sixth worst in the NFL. So I definitely think he's a, he's a little nervous back there. Well, and he's also been hit 15 times, which the seventh worst in the NFL right now. So the happy feet, I think, are somewhat acceptable, although acceptable is the wrong word. Understandable, I guess, would be the word. We've talked about the the O-line, and that's what everybody's talking about. Let's switch to the other side of the ball for a minute, Mark, and talk about the defense. The defense has looked pretty good, except in the second half against Miami, but they really haven't been challenged by anyone. Are they as good as their statistics now put them because they're high in the league. They're in top 10 in the league in everything except rushing yards, I believe it was. Uh, are they that good, or is it that the opponents haven't been that good and we won't know until they really get tested? I guess I, I still want to wait and see on that. But, I mean, right now, I mean, even the secondary, the secondary is first in the NFL in passing yards allowed. I mean, they're they're averaging 169 passing yards a game. And I think that's impressive. Granted, you go back and you're like, well, Ryan Tannenhill, Matt Castle, and uh, rookie Derek Carr aren't exactly the most <laughs> impressive group. I think this week will be interesting because Alex Smith, though, isn't Peyton Manning. He's a lot better than the guys you've seen. He's a veteran. He can win games. He doesn't turn the ball over historically a lot. He's, pretty, he's fairly accurate when he throws. I think this will be a good test for him. As far as the defense, you know, I think right now they have to carry. It's this Patriots team has to be led by the defense. You have too many problems going offensively, and I think they have the guys to do it. You have two all-pros back there in your secondary. Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower look great right now. So, you know, I, I think the defense is, is for real. I want to say that, but, of course, I want to see it against Indy and, and Denver and even Cincinnati in a couple weeks. Well, that leads me right into my next question of uh, Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower, two first-round draft picks in 2012 going into their third season now. We saw Chandler Jones improve from his first to his second year. A lot of fans and media members alike were down on Dante Hightower, and now we're starting to see him all over the field, breaking up a good bubble screen last week and then getting after the quarterback. He seems to be all over the, all over the place. Where exactly has this come from Dante Hightower? I think they're finally putting him in a spot where he's a little more comfortable. Last year he played on the inside, and when Gerard Mayo went down, he was kind of that signal caller. I don't think he, he responded like a lot of people thought he would. I thought his play regressed a little bit, and I, th- I think he would say the same this year. You know, they're playing him more so on the edge. 
in that three four scheme and I just think he's he's really growing and he's really gravitating toward what they're doing. I think he's really comfortable just getting after the quarterback. But that being said, the fact that he has so much experience playing on the inside, he can drop back in coverage. You know, he's a multi dimensional player. He's very versatile and I think right now he's one of your best defensive players. I'm I'm excited about Dante Hightower. Year three it's it's kinda like the coming out party for him. When you look at the defense and we went into this year hearing so much, and most of us buying into Revis Island. How do you explain them going after Revis so much in these first couple of games? Yeah, yeah, against Oakland, I was I was a little shocked. He, he got targeted six times, and he gave up five completions. Um, if I was to stick up for Revis, I would say that he was mainly playing off the line, and Derek Carr was throwing short passes, which are more high percentage. That being said, there were a couple passes. I thought Revis looked a little lazy. You know, there was one, that one comeback route, and then there was one deeper pass that I don't, you know, it's, it's interesting with him because I don't want to say Darrell Revis is a lazy player because he's one of the best of all time, but I think sometimes he makes things look so easy. It's almost, it's almost easy for someone to say, it's like, oh, he might not be putting in the effort. I mean, I, I, hope, I hope it's the case of Darrell Revis just getting used to this system. I expect a little bit better of him. I mean, he was pretty dominant against Minnesota, but then again, Greg Jennings and Matt Castle are not exactly Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas. It's it's another thing this weekend. I don't know where they're going to put him. Kansas City has, you know, a plethora of options for Alex Smith out there, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see something better than, you know, five or six on Revis. Switching back over to the offensive side of the ball, through three games, no touchdowns in the second half. What adjustments can be made for the New England Patriots to get some points in the second half? Well, they need to be better on third down. I think that's that's been a, that's been an issue. And in terms of just the offense overall, you got to get the run game going. They're a lot better when Stephen Ridley's, you know, averaging four yards a carry and getting close to 100 yards. And I think at this point, the way the offensive line is, if you can have a team worried about the run, it's going to free up things for Tom Brady. And I think that's huge. Another problem they're having is, like I think we've alluded to earlier, sometimes these teams are just rushing three guys and the offensive line can't block them. So if you can only rush three guys on Brady, you're putting more guys you know, back there to defend passes. And I think that's, that's having some type of an impact. I'd also like to see some more continuity with the wide receiver rotation. It's all over the place. Sitting, you know, Aaron Dobson and then sitting Kembrell Tompkins. I mean, they've got to get some continuity. You need to start the same guys. You know, this, this rotation, I don't, I don't think it's really working out, and I have no idea what's going on with Danny Amendola. I would, I would love to see the Danny Amendola we all saw last year in week one against Buffalo. But, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's hope it's better this weekend. Well, and I keep trying to defend Amendola. In fact, last week on the show, I predicted him as my breakout player, so we all see how that went. The, the issue isn't just Amendola, though. It's being put in a position to call audibles, and I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in your opinion, because they're using so many max packages, when they go up to the line, there's not an opportunity for Brady to call an audible because he doesn't have the receivers on the field with him. LaFell is being kept in as a blocker. They're using people that have never played tight end in their life as tight ends so they can block. He doesn't have the weapons to audibleize, or am I imagining that? No, I think you make an interesting point, um, and, and I think to go along with that, I'm not entirely sure Tom Brady trusts all of those guys offensively right now. I mean, even Rob Gronkowski, you see him continuously going to Rob Gronkowski, but this Gronk isn't exactly the Gronk of, of old. He's, he's pretty rusty. 
I think, you know, in, in terms of switching things up, Tom Brady has so much faith in a guy like Julian Edelman. Maybe he's a little hesitant when he has, you know, Kimbrell Tompkins or, or Brandon LaFell there on the line. I, I think there's a certain level of comfort that Tom Brady might not have with some of these guys who are now going on their second year with the Patriots, and that's a little worrisome to me. Well, it's worrisome to me as well, Mark, because you have guys in Dan, Danny Amendola and Kemble Tompkins, of course, Aaron Dobson. I mean, we had 32-37, and I believe it's 54 receptions between all three of them. There's got to be some kind of continuity right now, and the way I look at it, the Patriots don't have a true number two wide receiver. Uh, and you alluded to this with the, the way the rotation is working out. Uh, if you had to sit back and, and look at who could be the number two wide receiver, in your eyes, who do you think it should be? If you asked me this before the season, I would have said probably Aaron Dobson because I think he has the potential to be a good, good player, whereas Kimbrell Tompkins is a little older, and I don't think his ceiling's as high. But right now, I, I might even point to Brandon LaFell because, I mean, if Aaron Dobson can't, can't get on the field already, and he, maybe he's behind with his foot surgery, then, I mean, that's, that's disappointing. And Kemble Tompkins is just, he's hes a really strange player to me. It's almost like a poor man's Brandon Lloyd, who maybe is a number three at best. So I, I think for number two, maybe try Brandon LaFell. He's bigger. hes I know the Patriots love him for run blocking, but he's a big receiver, and let's see what, he's, let's see what he can do. You know, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because Danny Amendola is making a boatload of money. I would love to see it to be him, but. In, in the, the final preseason game, uh, Dobson looked great, and then he sat out the first game, played the second game, sat out the third game. Is this injury related? Do you think? Uh, you have to wonder if he's behind. He missed a lot of time. He didn't participate in OTAs. He didn't participate in minicamp, and he was pretty limited throughout training camp. And then he only played that one game against the Giants in the preseason. But he he didn't play a single game with Tom Brady. You know that was that was with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think there's something to be said there about the lack of trust or you know trust issues that might be between Tom and Aaron because you know Aaron even toward the end of last season he had he's had the fractured foot and he just wasn't 100 percent so I don't think the trust is there and I think he really needs to put in more work. Final question for me, Mark, is uh, Patriots obviously have uh, struggled with the uh, with their offense uh, line as well as their uh, skill positions. Is it time we see two fourth-round draft picks? You mentioned one of them earlier, in, uh, Brian Stork, and uh, the running back out of uh, Wisconsin, James White, come in and replace a guy uh, like Jordan Devy and Brandon Bolden. Are those two guys someone that we can rely on? Uh, you know, I think we're going to have to see him at some point. I think this weekend, if, if Ryan Wendell's not 100%, I think it has to be Brian Stork. I, I think he really might be your center of the future. It definitely speaks volumes when they're already playing a center this early in the season. As far as James White, man, was, was, I, was I initially wrong on him? He's a very, very nice kid, and I thought in training camp he did some nice things out of the backfield. But I just I think right now I don't know if he has enough size or power to break through on runs. And, that, and I think, if anything, he's more of a Shane Vereen type guy, but he's not as fast as Shane. I, but I agree with you with Brandon Bolden. He's just not doing anything for me. Um, I know the Patriots like him for his special teams ability, but at some point you got to give this kid who spent a fourth-round pick on to give him give him some game time. I mean, if anything, I mean at this point I'm wishing they drafted a guard in the fourth round because that's that's what the Pats need. It's another you know another inactive running back. It's not doing them any good. Well, Mark, my final question for you is: Do you think we and we being the fans, the media? 
overestimated this year's team? Did we set our expectations too high, or is it still too early to really tell? Uh, I want to say, yeah, I want to say we did. I mean, even me, I, I think I predicted the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl and win it, and it was it was almost easy to do, Bob, because they were so injured last year, and they still made it to the AFC Championship. So it's only naturally for us to say, oh, wow, they have all these guys back. Everyone, all the wide receivers are in the system for another year. They're going to be better. And for whatever reason, things aren't clicking, and that's that's worrisome to me. Um, I don't. I wouldn't pick them to win the Super Bowl right now. I don't think they're better than Denver, and I'm not sure they're better than Cincinnati or Indy. Time will tell because they face all three teams, and that's that's a great thing about the football season is that we can speculate and, and analyze all we want. But you know what? Sundays are going to happen, and, and sooner or later we're going to find out the answer. Well, Mark, we really appreciate your time. I want to thank you again for joining us. And I know people can follow you on Twitter at MarkDanielsPJ. Any other way, and, and to follow the Providence Journal and read your columns, any other way people can contact you or if they're interested in getting in touch with you? Uh, you can email me at mdaniels at providencejournal.com. And always read my stuff at providencejournal.com. That goes without saying. All right, Patriots Nation. That, of course, was Mark Daniels from Projo, the Providence Journal. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at, at MarkDanielsPJ for Providence Journal. Definitely check out the Projo. It's a great paper. I like to read it online. And I know my man Bob Snowden does as well. And, of course, Mark Daniels today has been brought to you by the Patriots Beat Stitcher page, www.clnsradio.com slash Stitcher. Make sure to log on, sign up, subscribe, rate, and review us. We get some great guests, as we have tonight uh, in Mark Daniels. And coming up shortly, play-by-play announcer for the New England Patriots, Bob Soshi from the flagship station of the New England Patriots, 98.5, the sports hub. Bob, that was some great stuff there that uh, Mark had to say. Well, Mark, yeah, Mark has a lot of great insight, and uh, I would advise anyone that that is not following Mark on Twitter to do so and to read his columns because he writes some really good stuff. We talked a lot about the offensive line with Mark, obviously. Obviously, but I want to say one thing. If you're not following Bob Snowden, at Snowden Bob, he writes some great articles, too. (laughs) And if you're not following that Boston fat guy... Oh, it's Huggy Huggy Kissy yeah, Face Show. Kissy Kissy. Oh, whoever thought. I'm surprised that Mike Reese isn't hopping on right now and you're not, you know, giving him the uh, loving. We'll, we'll get him shortly. Mike Reese will be on another program very, very shortly. Hey, one of the things, though, I started to say we obviously talked a lot about the offensive line, and I'm certain we'll talk about it with Bob Sochi, too. But play action is is one of the keys, and I really didn't get into to that a whole bunch, although Mark alluded to it Uh the key is that it has to be used effectively. And I, I kind of got a kick out of a, 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 a Brady quote during his press conference this week when he said, play action is a great tool for an offense because, and here's the, I highlighted this, if used effectively, I think you can gain more time to get your receivers down the field to create bigger opportunities. It always displaces the zone coverage and could slow down the rush if they think the back has the ball. So, and here I highlight it again, it's a great tool if used at the right time, not on third mean, 14. <laughs> or you mean when the, uh, if the offensive line can actually hold the block yeah. for more than three seconds. You know, I tell you, they, they're getting hurt up the middle right now, and the play action just, it, it isn't working. It's working from time to time, but it just isn't working. Brady, I mean, he's, he's going back to play action pass, and next thing you know, 
He's got a 290-pound defensive end in his face. He's, he's eating the ball. But the the other thing is, in the game last week against Oakland, they couldn't run the ball. They averaged less than three yards a carry, which kind of defeats play action, too, because if the team that you're playing against is stuffing your run, they stop really worrying a whole bunch about the run. So that kind of has to have an impact on play action, too, doesn't it? Oh, it definitely does. And, I mean, even though they were unsuccessful really getting yards per carry last week, it was nice to see them stick with the run and not just try to go, you know, just, all right, it's not working after three or four runs. Let's just pass the ball all over the place. Uh, It was nice to see them stick with it, even though it wasn't working great. And I think that's what you're going to have to see with the New England Patriots this year. As, As obviously, the big talk right now is, is, Tom Brady declining, and is this offensive line ever going to get better? And and let alone dominant, as I said to uh, Mark Daniels, you know, could this team offensive line be dominant? There's something's got to give here, and, and the Patriots are going to have to stay balanced because, as we said to Mark, there's no real clear-cut number two wide receiver right now. There's no other than Julian Edelman. There's no wide receiver that's showing up every week. I mean, we saw Brandon LaFell catch, you know, four balls last week. So, man, it's it, it's it's tough sledding right now. But then again, it was tough sledding last year, um, the first five games of the season for this offense before they finally started to uh, rely a little more on the offense. So let's see what happens, Bob. It's going to be very, very, uh, you know, interesting, especially with the loud noise in Kansas City. And with that uh, defensive front with uh, Lamar Houston and, uh, and I'm sorry, uh, Lamar, yeah, Lamar, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lamar Houston and Tom Ollie. hanging out there to drive, partner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm just thinking of che- cheeseburgers in paradise. Hey, you, Gronkowski, we talked about on last week's show, you predicted uh, game six before he would six or seven. Six. He would Games. be back at full steam. He said this week he's feeling 100% that he wants to play more, that he expects to play more this week because actually his his carries were cut last week or his, his snaps were cut last week from the previous weeks. Um, it, it's, it would be nice to see he and Brady be on the same page because they're not on the same page either. And As Brady on the same page with, with really anyone? Other than Edelman, I mean, no. You know, I tell you, even uh, in his weekly press conference, not press conference, but weekly appearance on the Dennis Callahan show on Monday mornings, you know, he came out and said, yeah, we have one guy who's making some plays, making some catches in Julian Edelman. He says, you know, there's 22 other players on offense. Um, of course, he's talking about the entire uh, offensive side of the ball, not just not just who's out there on the field, but – that's the big question there, is who is he going to rely upon? We've seen basically it's it's Edelman. They're working Gronk back in, and it's Shane Vereen. We saw a little bit of LaFell, as I said. they got to get a second or third option outside of Gronk to really make this team move. And whether that's Danny Amendola as, you know, we just talked about with with Mark Daniels, or or could it be one of these second uh, second year wide receivers? Which I really wonder what's going on here. As I said last year, Tompkins had thirty two receptions and Dobson thirty seven, and, and now they have you know a combined what nine between them, eight between them. They've lost it. 
I'm kidding. Just I'm, no, 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 I know. I know. <laughs> well, it's like the offensive line with Solder and Volmer. Same way there. How did they turn so bad over the course of a year? Because coming into this year, no one was worried about them. Hey, let's hear what Bob Sochi has to say. Joining us on the line right now is the play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots on 98.5, the Sports Hub. His name is Bob Sochi, and he's done a great job so far this season introducing and play-by-play for the New England Patriots who stand at 2-1. and one. Bob, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jeff. Bob, thank you so much. Uh, thanks especially for the kind words, but it's good to be with you guys. You're heading to Kansas City, and this Patriots team has really been kind of an enigma the first three games, but the crowd noise makes Kansas City one of the toughest road venues. And In fact, the Chiefs' front office is on record as saying they're hoping to break the record for the loudest stadium in NFL history on Monday night. Now, I'm going to ask you a broadcaster's question. Obviously, it has an effect on the visiting teams, but how about you when you prepare to do your play-by-play? I know you're in a booth, but it's still got to be darn loud. Does that not make it a lot more difficult for you doing play-by-play, too? You know, it's a great question, especially at this time, because um, I have two little kids who both have been uh, overcoming colds this week, and I joked to my wife, as I felt like I was starting to get sick, you know, this is not the time to get a sore throat going to Kansas City, and I pointed to a story in the Sporting's newspaper about exactly what you described, that the Chiefs' attempt to reclaim that title as the loudest stadium in the NFL. Uh, last year, they set a Guinness Book of World Records standard, and then the Seattle uh, 12th man rose up and, and, and reclaimed that honor as the loudest stadium. But uh, it, it really, you know, it has two two effects. One, you obviously get very emotional, and you find yourself really amped up, just like the crowd is, just like the players would be. So it's very exciting to go into an atmosphere like that. And at the other, at the, on the other hand, it is a challenge, especially for someone uh, like myself. Now, maybe if I had the great Gil Santos's broadcasting pipes, it wouldn't be such a challenge because I could easily rise above that crowd noise. But no doubt about it, Monday night, uh, it's going to be difficult to stand out in the crowd, so to speak, and uh, be able to call the play-by-play clearly and audibly for our audience. Well, that brings me to my question on the uh, crowd noise in Kansas City. The offensive line is obviously having a hard time communicating with each other this year. Bringing it into the Kansas City crowd where it'll be loud, false starts False starts happen all the time around there. Can this New England Patriots line come in and communicate well enough in basically uh, silent snap counts? You know, Jeff, that's a great question because we certainly saw in Miami where the crowd noise was pretty intense, but probably nothing like the Pats are going to experience on Monday night. Several instances when it seemed to me that Cameron Wake, for example, got off uh, almost faster than the Patriots offensive linemen, and in some cases indeed faster at the snap of the football. And I asked Tom Brady about it in his press conference the following week about how difficult it is with the young line in particular, young guys on that line, uh, try to go with uh, varying snap counts. And uh, you know, he said it's something they're going to have to work on. And uh, you know, they may have done that in Minnesota, but my guess is it really wasn't uh, an environment when the Patriots played against the Vikings and the kind of the game plan they utilized where it was really put to test. But you're, you're right. There's no doubt about it. Going into Kansas City on Monday night, 
It will be raucous. It will be very loud. This is an offensive line that's had its issues. Uh, the Patriots are going to have to be able to, to go on a silent snap down at times, and they're going to have to be able to change things up and vary the times uh, that they'll snap the ball. Otherwise, Tomba Ali and Justin Houston, those two outside rushers, are going to get a great jump on the offensive lineman. And uh, it's no doubt, there's no doubt the players have tried to downplay it a little bit kind of during the week in, in, in a lot of the interviews with the media, but you can hear the rock, loud uh, rock music blaring from the practice field if you're around Patriot Place. I certainly heard it today about 1 o'clock as I was uh, going to the car in the Gillette Stadium parking lot and they were blasting the who. So uh, they're very uh, cognizant of it and they try to prepare as best they can with that very loud music at practice uh, so that they can try to go into Kansas City and, and at least have some idea of what, what kind of noise they're going to face. When you... Was it Pinball Wizard or yeah. was it uh, Won't Be Fooled Again? <laughs> I, you know, you're going to have to forgive me because my knowledge of the Who is not great, but it was, it was just simply Who Are You? Who, who, okay, who, there who. you go. That's the song. Who are you? <laughs> and they say it nine million times in that song. I was going to ask you whether the players recognized who the Who were because, again, they're not exactly of that generation. Let yeah, me let me jump a little. I'm sure they I'm sure they do recognize certain songs like Eminence Front, which we always hear, of course, at Gillette Stadium before games. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Bob. No, no, that's okay. When when you look at this team, Kansas City has nine sacks so far this season. Brady comes into the game. He's been hit 15 times. He's been sacked seven times. Umpteen pressures. Is there? going to be a difference in the offensive line, say with Stork starting at center. What what can they do? They're doing max packages and nothing is working. What what do you look at it and say, here's going to be why this week will be different? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I think that my expectation is that Brian Stork at one point or another, whether it's at the outset of this game or, or even during this game or sometime later than that, uh, is, is going to be the, the center for this team uh, moving forward, and that at some point, you know, we're going to see Dan Connolly on a regular basis playing guard. Now, if Ryan Wendell is able to come back uh, from the knee problems he's had the last couple of weeks, then perhaps he lays claim once again to that center spot. But I, I do believe that you know, Connolly has been their most consistent lineman to this stage of the year. And, and certainly the Patriots uh, are better with an experienced guy like Dan Connolly playing guard, as he's done, of course, in the past, as opposed to a, a young player like Jordan Devin. And I know a lot of people are really hard on Jordan. I, I think that, you know, for a rookie who, who came into this season as a, a guy who was, off, you know, graduated off the practice squad and, you know, really just is getting acclimated to the NFL, in many respects, a bit of an unfair position to be placed in, uh, in, in in comparison to the expectations you know when you play offensive line and you're, you're charged with the task of protecting Tom Brady now that said uh, he was lifted from the game with 11-15 to go in the fourth quarter last weekend and, and really hasn't played well but at the same time again as a unit that offensive line hasn't played well and I think you can point to the individuals like Nate Solder and Sebastian Vollmer and by their own admission they would say they haven't been as good at this point so it, it's really been across the board uh, where the offensive line has been searching for answers and uh, you know as you pointed out they've gone up against a, a defensive front that, that has produced a lot of sacks Tom Ali has been uh, through, throughout his career coming out of Penn State one of the best pass rushers in the NFL they also have a defensive coordinator Bob Sutton who even uh, with uh, limited personnel isn't afraid to uh, 
send a lot of blitzers and uh, have a lot of uh, varying blitz packages. And uh, they've been shorthanded, the Chiefs have. They, they go to this game, they're at various safety who's been injured, they've got a couple linebackers, a defensive end, uh, DeVito who's been out, and uh, yet uh, this is a team that uh, will try to make up for some of those losses, I think, with an aggressive mindset. Well, you sit there and say about the aggressive line set, and of course you've mentioned Tamba Ali and of course uh, Jamar Houston getting after the quarterback. We saw a little bit last week where the New England Patriots uh, lined up that pony backfield with uh, two uh, running backs on the either side of Tom Brady in the shotgun, and they were able to chip the outside rush uh, before they uh, went out on their pass routes. How much can we expect to see that this week as they try to help this offensive line deal with the fast speed rush that Kansas City can bring? You know, that's a great question again, Jeff. I think they're going to have to. You know, last week they really did a lot of different things. I mean, we know like in Minnesota, for example, they used the heavy set frequently. They really set the tone early with an aggressive uh, mindset by running the football. I think on uh, Monday night against Kansas City, they're going to have to keep some extra people in at times. You know, we have seen even when, when Brady's had multiple receivers in the patterns the last three weeks that he hasn't had time uh, to drop back the five-step, seven-step drop and go through progression. So it's been a very quick passing game. It was so a, whether it has been extra people in to help block or simply you know, quicker sets, shorter shorter throws, uh, one one receiver reads, you know, they've, they've had to combat the offensive line issues uh, by trying a lot of different things in the passing game. One of the things that I think that, that this team has uh, you know, struggled with, and it's not just the offensive line, but it's, it's, it's the, the blitz pickup by the running backs or uh, pass protection support from tight ends like Michael Ohm and Alan Newey. And I think that uh, you know, you look back to the Miami game in particular, there was a sack that Cameron White had in that game where he blew by the who man, and uh, Stephen really had jumped inside and did not get back to, to help chip him off. And it's going to take a total effort, and they know that, and they've all spoken about that this week, that coming into this game against Kansas City, it's got to be more than just the five guys up front. And Josh McDaniels, I'm sure, is going to try to call a variety of plays. You can't go into a game like this on the road when you're trying to get your offense going and say, okay, we're going to be very limited in what we do. And yet at the same time, they're going to have to get a lot of support from those guys that you mentioned, providing blitz pickup and pass protection support. I know we're only three games into the season, Bob, but as you look at those three games, what player on the pass has surprised you the most with the most improvement from last year? Well, you know, I... It's it's hard to say the most improvement for this particular guy who stands out for me, but because I think by the end of last year, maybe the, the last three or four games, I thought he had improved immensely. But Dante Hightower has really struck me as one of those guys who's really made progress and seems to be playing with a great deal more confidence, and in large part because of his role now and being turned free a little bit uh, more. You know, I thought last week in particular, early in the game, he was a huge factor in helping Canada keep. Uh, Oakland out of the end zone and, and uh, send some of those uh, Raiders uh, play calls. Uh, um, you know that to, we have seen in the past with the screen game produce big gainers against the Patriots, at least pick up positive yardage and send them for a loss. And uh, you know, a couple of instances really diagnosed the plays perfectly. And I thought uh, had a huge impact on that game and played very well the week before against Minnesota. Chandler Jones, obviously, has had a great start to this season, and I think he's simply becoming the kind of player that uh, we all hope he would be and, and in many cases expected him to become. 
uh, really emerging as a star on this team, especially playing a little bit more on the outside. His last two games in stat, he got more frequently than in the first game. But uh, Hightower's the guy for me who really stands out on the defensive side. And, you know, offensively, we're still waiting for that guy to emerge. Julian Edelman, uh, it's hard to say he's been a surprise because of the season he had last year, but he certainly has been their most consistent performer offensively. Well, speaking about Chandler Jones, he'll be going up against last year's first-round draft pick, Eric Fisher, at at tackle. What can we expect out of uh, Jones this week going up against last year's first-round pick and first-round overall? Yeah, it certainly seems, Jeff, that there have been mixed reviews about Eric Fisher's play thus far. Uh, and, you know, Kansas City as a whole has struggled. We think the Patriots have had offensive line issues, but there are a number of other teams who around the league right now point to that unit as well and to have cause for concern. Green Bay is an example. The Packers really struggling to try to give Aaron Rodgers time. And Kansas City is another team. They've had some injury issues and free agent defections. They lost three starters from a year ago through free agency, and, and then they were hit hard. They moved some people around this year, but, uh, again, suffered some injuries that have really had an impact on them. So it'll be interesting to see how Fisher holds up against Chandler Jones. One thing that Kansas City does have, though, of course, is a mobile quarterback in Alex Smith. And because of that, I'm curious how the Patriots are going to approach it. Going against guys like him, they've often kind of formed that halo around the quarterback and had more of a contained rush rather than you know an aggressive upfield pursuit of the quarterback. It'll be interesting, again, to see what they do with Alex Smith because I know they have a great deal of respect for his legs and his ability to escape. When you look at the AFC, at the beginning of the year, pretty much everybody was saying, well, it's the Patriots to win and maybe one other team will have an opportunity to be in the playoffs. Yet you're looking at Buffalo, who seems to have improved quite a bit, Miami, the Jets, have any of those teams caught up to the Pats? And I know you don't get a chance to watch them because you're on the air, but when you're doing film review or stuff like that, do you think either any of those three are, are really crawling up there? Bob, I, I think the Bills, interestingly, uh, have a lot of talent, and the big question mark is their quarterback. And I've heard some other people that I have a lot of respect for on the national level say the thing. Same thing that, uh, you know, if you look at them top to bottom, position by position, that's a pretty talented group. You know, certainly they had some issues with their offensive line, and yet uh, on, on the defensive side of the ball, they've got a great uh, defensive line. I, I have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, what, what Kyle Williams has done in his career uh, the last couple of years in particular. And, uh, you know, you look at uh, Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator. A lot of people wondered would he be less aggressive than Mike Patton was. They had a great uh, combination last year, getting a lot of sacks, getting a lot of pressure, and, and producing a lot of interceptions. And, of course, they lost Jarris Burt, but Stephon Gilmore seems to be one of those guys who's been on the verge of, of, of really flourishing as one of the better defensive backs. And I mentioned the offensive line with its uh, issues in the past, but they seem to try to address that in a big way this off season. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've got some very talented young skill players, especially at receiver, and they've got a deep backfield. C.J. Uh, Spiller and Fred Jackson, along with Bryce Brown, that's a pretty good trio of running backs right there. And Emmanuel is a huge question mark. But I, I do think the Bills have improved a great deal. And, you know, there's something about Doug Marone that, that seems to fit. He seems to be the kind of guy, a blue-collar guy with ties to upstate New York who, who really wants to be in Buffalo and embraces, you know, the kind of blue-collar mentality that I think you need to succeed there. Uh, beyond that, though, I mean, the other teams around the AFC that, that really stand out to me uh, – 
Denver once again, of course. Although it's really hard to get a read on on the Broncos right now because there are t- times when that defense really does look legit, and then other times where you, you see them struggling to hold on. And uh, you know, I think Kansas City playing shorthanded played the Broncos very tough a couple of weeks ago, and, and Indianapolis made that late charge against Denver in that particular game. Uh, the Broncos last week get to overtime after that great rally, but then immediately Seattle goes downfield and scores the game winning points on them in, in the OT. Uh, Cincinnati has been extremely impressive thus far, and, and uh, you know they may have the best team right now in the conference based on the way they play the first three games, but still the jury is always out on them until they succeed in the postseason, and when it, when it comes down to crunch time, you know how will Andy Dalton respond as a the quarterback there? So those are the teams for me, and within the AFC East, you know, I still respect the front seven of the Jets a lot. I think they've got some... Uh, uh, some guys on offense that uh, they, they've, they've acquired that should help them. Certainly Chris Johnson adds a lot. He's, he's looked pretty good. I know a lot of people wonder whether he could return to his, his uh, vintage form. And uh, he looked good in the screen game. Ivory's had, had some uh, big performances thus far for them, but still Geno Smith uh, seems to take a step forward and then a step back. And uh, as far as Miami's concerned, it, it certainly appears as though they put everything they, they could into the season opener against the Patriots and yeah. have been uh, kind of in a free fall since. And, and who knows what, what Ryan Canhill's status is. I mean, he says he's going to play this weekend, but, uh, you know, it's hardly a, an inspiring vote of confidence from his head coach, Joe Philbin, based on, uh, you know, the questions this week in South Florida and, and Philbin's response and, and, and non-commitment to Tannehill early in the week. Is Philbin in jeopardy of losing his job before the season ends? Uh, I, you know, I think unless things get turned around in Miami, surely, uh, you know, that uh, he certainly came into the season on the hot seat and made you know major changes offensively in terms of the scheme. He got rid of a longtime friend and and coordinator there in Mike Sherman. Those guys are, you know, Massachusetts ties. They go back a long, long way, and uh, certainly that was an indication that Philbin understood the urgency with which the Dolphins entered the season. And you know, the way they finished last year to have been in position to earn a playoff berth and then lose those last two games in the way they did in such lopsided fashion, including a game against the Jets at home. They had to come into this season, I believe, and start strong. And with the Patriots struggling as they are, and with the Dolphins winning that season opener, I mean, if you're, if you're a Miami football fan, if you're Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, you've got to think, okay, we're, this, is, this is our opportunity. And suddenly they take two steps back in a big way. And, and here they are going to London to play the Raiders. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders win that game. Let me ask you this, Bob. Um, going back to this uh, week's opponent in the Kansas City Chiefs, we saw the New England Patriots in week one get really eaten up on the ground uh, by Nosha Moreno and Lamar Miller. The Chiefs have two very talented backs. However, one of them, Jamal T- Charles, has been dealing with an ankle injury. But they also have Niles Davis. Can the Patriots continue the upward swing that they've had against the run the last two weeks by attacking the line of scrimmage, or do the Chiefs just have too much talent on the back uh, in the backfield? Well, it certainly is a talented backfield, and those guys, uh, you know, they've got another dimension to that running game too, and that's the screen game. And Joe McKnight is a guy who had six catches, two touchdown receptions, included last week in Miami, and Andy Reid. Uh, you know, often got knocked in Philadelphia for his lack of commitment to the running game, but certainly he's had it with Kansas City. And I think the screen game almost becomes kind of a, an extra layer 
of that running attack. But I'm, I'm concerned about it, certainly. And without Silver Salinga, if he's unable to play, you know, the Patriots can lose some depth there. They lose a bigger body inside. And, and it is has been an issue. Uh, you know, the Dolphins, as you said, you know, ran with a tremendous amount of success in that season open. We saw the way the Patriots started last year against the run. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how they approach it this week against Kansas City. Uh, Chandler Jones was inside, of course, opposite Miami. Uh, you know, what does Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia do against Kansas City? Uh, it, it will certainly be, uh, uh, you know, I think a focal point. They've got to be able to stop uh, that running game and uh, at least try to contain, slow down Niall Davis and or Jamal Charles. And uh, it's, it's going to be a tall order right there. But, uh, you know, I think the Patriots' defense right now play with a great deal of confidence, that's for sure. Well, and Jamie Collins has also had a lot of problems with the run. He was a player I think we all expected to take a huge leap this year, but he's being put in a position that makes it difficult him for him to make that step. What's your impression, uh, Ben, of Jamie so far this year? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a catch-22 in a way because you know, how they utilize Jones and Hightower has, had, has had an impact on, on Collins. Uh, you know, he certainly struggled against Miami. And then, of course, he had a thigh issue and missed the Minnesota game and played a limited number of snaps last week. But, uh, you know, with, with Chandler on the outside and on the stand-up position, that seems to put, you know, Collins uh, in a spot where he's almost that odd, odd man out in the linebacking court. Uh, but, uh, you know, I still believe a lot uh, in Jamie Collins. I think he's, he's, he's a young player that has a huge upside. And in, in, in last year we saw him scratch the surface. I also think, too, guys, that, you know, as the season goes on, we'll see this defense continue to evolve. I, I asked Scott Zolak this, uh, on a radio show on Patriots.com just yesterday if he believes that Bill Belichick and early in the season is more conservative uh, coach when it comes to his scheming, uh, if he holds some stuff back. And, and, and Scott seemed to think that, that that's, that's been the case, and that is the case right now. We, isn't, we haven't seen a lot of the exotic blitzes or uh, – coverages. Uh, they certainly change what they do during the course of games and they make the adjustments. But, uh, you know, I think this the defense continues to evolve and, and, and as such, we'll see Jamie Collins have a prominent role before too long. Bob, final question from me, and it's one that all Patriots Nation asks before every single game. Who will Darrell Rivas get lined up against this week? <laughs> Uh, you know, again, great question because last week we saw him, you know, not exclusively on one guy or another, but uh, at times in his own, at times man to man, switching sides of the field. Uh, with, with Kansas City, that's that, that's a, you know, I think a, a, a question you go in and you say, okay, is Bo the guy? Uh, is Bieber the guy? Uh, you know, Kelsey is a tight end who, who who I think is a is a factor for them when they get in the red zone now, and it is really. Uh, shown signs of Belichick and a lot of uh, respect for him, and I think like the way he plays. Now we won't see Rivas on him, but nonetheless, you know it's it, it's a it's a pretty multi-tiered uh, passing attack. There's a lot of speed there for Kansas City, uh, but my expectation, I would think, you know, Bo is still the guy that that most people generally regard as as the big target for KC. But uh, you know, as noted, they've got a couple of different guys that Alex Smith will turn to. I, I'm, I'm not as fearful with the Chiefs' downfield passing game. Uh, you know, what, again, what 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 worries me going into Monday night, and and I'm probably way off on this. You guys, you know, have a great knowledge of football. The rest of the year, what you have to say, but uh, you know, to me, it's, it's a lot of the, the short throws and the underneath throws. Again, you know, what Kansas City will try to do in the, in the screen game uh, to to uh, uh, you know make.
make sure that Alex Smith doesn't doesn't uh, risk any turnovers. He's got three touchdowns against Miami and, and did not have a turnover. Had some uncharacteristic uh, throws early in the first two games of the season, but throughout his story, he's really been uh, a guy who's protected the ball pretty well. And I think that's that's the way the, the Chiefs will play on Monday night. Um, you know, and it goes back to your running question too about the Chiefs. I think what we've seen with even Oakland last week is that uh, there's an opportunity right now against Patriots teams seem to believe where they they can keep the Patriots at bay by by controlling the game, controlling the tempo of the game, and Oakland certainly did that. And uh, you know, one of the best ways to keep that Patriot offense you know from from really clicking is to keep it off the field. And uh, you know, the Patriots defense is going to have to get off the field on third down again Monday night in Kansas City. And uh, you know, how they play against uh, the Chiefs whether it's the run, screen, or, or down to the passing game, but especially uh, you know, early downs, first, second down, keep Kansas City in those third and long situations and force Alex Smith to have to look to throw the ball downfield. You know, it's going to be key for this team. Gonna, my final question, Bob, and I really appreciate your time, and if you're uncomfortable answering this one, I don't blame <laughs> you at all, and you, you may skip it, but putting you on the hot seat a little bit, what were your impressions of the commissioner's press conference and your thoughts on all of this off-field issues that are going on in the in the headlines right now and Simmons gets tired, gets fired from ESPN for saying what he said? How much impact is this all having on the popularity of the NFL? Well, I'll be honest with you guys. I don't really think it's had much of an impact at all on the popularity of the NFL when you look at the television ratings. Uh, in the aftermath of, uh, you know, every stage of, of what has been just a, 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 a turbulent and uh, you know, I, I hate to say nightmarish time for the league because of the real nightmares is, is for those victims of uh, you know, the, the, the domestic abuse um, and the, the child abuse that the NFL has been linked to in, in, in recent months, days, weeks. Um, you know, I... I made my feelings feelings known last week on our flagship station at eight five on Friday with regards to the commissioner and, and the Ray Rice situation. Uh, you know, let, let me just say that uh, you know I, I I love the NFL. I love what I do, uh, and uh, you know I certainly hope that the league uh, can uh, can turn this around. And I don't mean that from a public relations standpoint, but I mean really be serious and honest and, and transparent. In, in dealing with all these issues, and, and that means not only the NFL and the commissioner and the owners, but it means the Players Association, and it means agents as well who represent these players. Uh, you know, let's 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 weed out the guys who don't belong on the field, and and uh, uh, let's take a, 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 a sincere and, and serious approach to solving a lot of these issues, not just after the fact and trying to uh, you know sweep them aside or, or uh, shine the, the the most public uh, uh, friendly public relations light on them, but to really you know really take a sincere and, and, and serious approach and, and uh, you know and I, and I think the league now has every incentive to do that because there is a there's a huge credibility gap right now and uh, Roger Goodell the commissioner I think uh, was widely viewed uh, last week in his press conference by uh, by the media and by by a lot of outside observers as well. Of, of you know, not uh, not handling a lot of the questions, asking a lot of the questions uh, in 
you know, and I think in, in a manner that they would like to hear. And I think so. People still are still demanding answers, and I, I think that uh, you know the pressure's on the league now from a lot of different uh, from a lot of different angles to. Uh, to, to do as I say, to, to take a serious and sincere approach to, to all these issues. I don't want to see, you know, uh, any sports. I don't see any institution uh, have to deal with the kind of dark cloud that, that the league has had to deal with the last few weeks because, uh, you know, I have very, very strong feelings about those issues, domestic violence, child abuse. And there's no doubt in my mind uh, that uh, ultimately, uh, whether they got it right the first or second time or not, and, and in my opinion, you know, they didn't get it right in, in, in the Rice situation the first time, nor uh, with Adrian Peterson uh, after he sat out the Patriots game, the initial decision to allow him uh, to, to uh, plan on reactivating him. But, uh, you know, those guys don't belong on the field at, that, at this point in time, in, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, uh, I just uh, I just believe that, uh, you know, that, that that's the case and, and, and should be. And I just hope that, the, again, that the league uh, can, can deal with it and uh, we're back to talking football and only football in the coming weeks. Really appreciate your honesty on that, Bob, and your openness. Well, I appreciate your time. I, I, I tend to, to ramble, uh, ramble on. It's like <laughs> being a play-by-play guy. You know, when the ball's in, when the ball's uh, in play, and you just try to describe what you see. And I'm still too wordy at that, at that time. But nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I, there's, there's there's far less risk of going on a tangent and getting sidetracked. But <laughs> <laughs> Bob Sochi, play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots on the New England Patriots flagship station, 98.5 The Sports Hub. Thank you very much for joining us tonight on CLNS Radio's Patriots. Well, great stuff there, Bob, from our friend Bob Sochi of uh, you know, 98.5 The Sports Hub, as I mentioned. You've got to check Bob out. Turn down your TV, turn up your radio, as Gil Santos would always say. Great stuff there. Great uh, pairing with him and Scott Zolek. On the uh, on the Patriots games, just some great stuff. You know, uh, it's more huggy, huggy, kissy face. But some interesting things that he had to say right there. And then, of course, you throwing the boy on the spot, talking about the uh, the abuse cases in the NFL. And Mister Roger Dodger, please fire me now. He jumped right in though, Bob. I give Bob credit. Yeah. I you know. Tried to give him the out if he didn't want to, because I could understand if he was uncomfortable. I mean, first of all. And and I know it's he has to be a little bit careful. He's paid for it by the Patriots and, yep. and Bob Kraft, and he needs to obviously toe the line a little bit. And I thought he was very honest and open and did a good job at responding, and I appreciate him with that honesty. The one thing I want to be honest with you about, though, Bob, is – Bill Simmons has not been fired by. ESPN. I said fired. I meant suspended. You did suspended for three weeks. Yep. You know, I mean, ESPN. Yeah, but who knows what's going to happen in those three weeks? Oh, exactly. I, I'm, my mind reader may be that he is going to be fired, and I'm not well, a Simmons fan. But I, what they're doing to ESPN and ESPN is like they're scared of the NFL because what he said wasn't that outrageous. No, I mean, if if you missed it. I mean, basically, he came out, and we could say it on a podcast, but this is a family-rated podcast, so I'll bleep it out. He basically called Roger Goodell a liar and said that it's effing BS is what he said. And, of course, I think it's funny because his podcast is the BS Report, and and so there's no reason he can't say, you know, BS. Listen, I know you're not a big fan of of Simmons. I, I, I like his writing style. 
I, I think it's I think it's uh, entertaining. I love the way that he he moves things into uh, pop culture and in all his articles. I've been following him since he had his you know he was the original blogger, uh, and I like Bill Simmons. I like him a lot, and I think it's unfortunate that. Uh, you know he's been uh, suspended by the by the ESPNs and 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 I really want to know if uh, you know ESPN seems to me to be a, a little ballless. He's saying what everyone else is out there saying. You know Roger Goodell, if he did see that uh, tape and and by all accounts he did, I mean that guy should be held accountable because he held, he holds players accountable. Well, and, needs, and someone if, needs to hold him for him not to acknowledge that the parallel between him, quote, not knowing about it or ignorance and then not acknowledging the parallel with with Peyton at at New Orleans when he suspended him for a year to me was just cut and dried arrogant. And and I don't want to go off on Goodell again, but I mean, that was how can he not? He's an intelligent man. He didn't look or sound very intelligent during that press conference. No, he sure didn't. And and again, not to go off on Roger Goodell. And this, you know, can also get me in in the ear of Patriots Nation, you know, and and get them upset at me. But you know, everyone always wanted to know what was on uh, those Spygate tapes. You know, it's a black guy that's been holding over the New England Patriots for years, and the tapes were destroyed. Who destroyed them? Richard you know, Nixon and, Jr. And, and, Exactly. So, I mean, this is this is. I mean, maybe that's why they everything has a gate at the end of it, you know, because it was the original was Watergate. You had Watergate, then you had Spygate, and then Bounty Gate. I mean, what's this? What's this gate going to be? Ginger Gate or something? Who knows? All right, let's jump ahead. We got Kansas City this week. You and I both predicted a big blowout. Yeah, we were wrong. I mean, you were you changed three times just during the show. You started yeah, well, I, at forty. Yeah, you, know, you started at forty-two, went to forty-five, went to came back to forty-one. You had a huge point spread, and then when you made your pick um, with all of us other writers from CLNS Radio, you figured Oakland was going to cover the spread, and you're the only one that got it right, I believe. But still, <laughs> wishy-washy hey, Jeff Kane strikes again. Well, you call me wishy-washy, and that's all right. See, here's the whole thing. I'm trying to have a good record so people actually think I'm I'm great. So my heart is telling me that I need to on the radio sound so confident about my New England Patriots and and talk about how they're going to absolutely blow out the uh the Oakland Raiders, but then my mind sits there and goes, "All right, 14 and a half is a lot to cover even if it's the uh even if it's the Oakland Raiders." And uh you know, thank God I uh, I picked them because uh I didn't do too well the rest <laughs> of the few week. you got right. <laughs> I had a very bad week. I think we all did, unfortunately. So let's look at Kansas City as we go into it. Kansas City has, on offense, a piss-poor offense. They've got a good running game, but they're 23rd in points, 23rd in yards, 26th in passing yards. Yeah, but they put it together last week against them, the Miami Dolphins. Well, the Miami Dolphins have collapsed as was addressed in our earlier conversations with our guests. But but if you look at it, it's not an offense other than the running game that normally would scare you a whole bunch. And in the running game, a lot of that hinges on whether Charles plays or not, as you had mentioned earlier in the show. On an offense, the Pats have been terrible. Can the Pats offense put it together enough to 
win a game on the road at Kansas City with all the noise. And, you know, we all think of Kansas City as invincible at home, but they've lost five straight home games, Jeff. And and Something's got to give. Y- yeah. And Something's got to give. So what are you thinking for this week's game? And whatever it is, you have to stick with it when you make your picks Okay, okay, Grandpa. <laughs> so I'm holding you. I'm holding you to it this time. All right. I well, may be I guess, old, but I'm yes. not that slow. No. All right. So I guess I have to be the first to sit there. Here, here's what I, something's got to give. The Patriots, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be you know by holding the ball and actually having an offense that can move the ball because we know that the Patriots' defense can hold Kansas City. Um, other than a second-half collapse against the Miami Dolphins, the Patriots' defenses look pretty good this week, this year. However, I look at this team, I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, the fact that they've, uh, they've lost five in a row you know, at Arrowhead, that's unheard of. Um, and, I, and I look at it, and if Kansas City loses, they're one in three. And they're not only looking up at Denver, they're looking up at the uh, San Diego Chargers. So, um, I, I, it's gonna. It's very hard for me to say this, but I have Kansas City in this one, twenty-one to seventeen. Twenty-one seventeen. Okay. We well, believe it or not, I, we're pretty close. I I'm thinking the same thing you are, and was thinking it before you said it. Uh, that I I just have absolutely no confidence in the Patriots' offense at this stage. Zero confidence, and I don't know what would make them better on the offensive line in Kansas City where it's so noisy and where they're going to be trying to hear snap counts. They already have had a ton of penalties. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking the offense isn't going to put much on the board. I thought that the defense could shut down Oakland, and they came pretty close. The defense was very good in the Oakland game. Uh, in fact, the defense, the New England's defense, is first against the pass uh, and third in yards, have given up the fourth least amount of points. Rushing yards is the only area, and even there, they're not bad. They're 11th. They've given up 104 rushing yards a game, and they're going to be playing. And 200 of that was, or 198 in game yards. one. We're in game one. When, where, when where, Jim Brown, known as No Sean Marino, was you know untouched, or when he was touched, it was with arms. So anyway, I I look at this like you as a very low-scoring game. Uh, I would not be shocked to see Kansas City win this one 14-10. Wow, only 10 points. Hey, and I'm the one that was hyping the offense earlier this year, Uh, if you you, remember. You were. I think you hyped him earlier this show. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I think I've backed off hyping the offense. (laughs) I think you have. In the last couple of weeks. Hey, hey, Bob, how's that getting a second tight end working out for you? Well, I... They don't use them. They don't don't use anyone. Hey, whoa, hang on. How's how's the um, rookie running back working out for you? Well, you know what? If they just listen to me and get <laughs> Mister, I run in sand. I mean, I don't get it. All right, don't go on your. We don't. No, I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to stop. Stop. Let me talk. Okay, I, this is what I just don't understand. When we talked, we talked earlier this year about uh, the New England Patriots uh, and their special teams love with many of our guests. Uh, I'm sorry, New England Patriots have have a grand total of seven kickoff returns uh, in the first three games. 
I mean, honestly, what is Brandon Bolden? He's got zero tackles on special teams. And they talk, oh, they like his special teams, you know, awareness. Well, put someone else out there on special teams. Let's see what James White can do. And I and I know Mark Daniels said that, uh, you know, he thought it was uh, – he, he was wrong on, on James White. And now he looks at him as more of a, a Shane Vereen type. Well, uh, anything's better than nine touches for 16 yards. Nine touches, 16 yards. Less than two yards per touch, and one of the, and, and, and that's one catch for four. So now we're on eight rushes for twelve yards. And I, I'm sorry. You know what? If they're if if they want to keep him, you know, don't put him in the backfield. Don't put Brandon Bolden in the backfield. He's just he's not very good. That's all you, I got. You are in the same category as Patrick with. Devin McCourty from the opposite side. And and we cannot do a show without Brandon Bolton being even mentioned and you going off. You gotta get over it, Jeff. I hate you the guy. You have to get over it, buddy. <laughs> Once they cut him, I'll be very, very happy. There were so many this, this you know what? There were guys that I've just seen so much better. I know, but I know. Hey, listen, uh, real quick before because we're running short on time here, but one thing that I want to bring up cuz cuz we talked a little bit about the Miami Dolphins and how uh they've kind of fallen apart after the New England Patriots. Uh in 7 games now. In the last 7 games they've played the New England Patriots twice. They are 2 and 5 in those 7 games. After they've beaten the New England Patriots, they went on to lose the last 3 games last year and the first 2 games this year. So, obviously beating the Patriots at home is a Super Bowl to the uh, Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and that is what it is because they get so high after that win and everybody gets so excited about the team and goes, "All right, we beat the Patriots and whoever they're playing next is eh. No matter who it is, unless, back unless back, they happen to be my, playing it was the Buffalo Seattle or something. But, I mean, Buffalo, they obviously had a huge letdown playing Buffalo. And that's two years in a row now. Because yep. it, was, it was Buffalo that they played uh, the following week last year, and they got shut out, and they got manhandled in week two by the Bills. And then this week's uh, opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, beat them up pretty good last week. Um, so it's going to be interesting. New England Patriots sit on top, tied with the Buffalo Bills at two and one now, going into Week Four. So very, very uh, tough, tough matchup here before having to come home on a Sunday night and playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know in New England we don't like to look forward, so the New England Patriots are going to have to do something, do something special. Well, I am kind of glad it's Sunday night, though, for the simple reason that the Monday game people don't realize how long it takes to recuperate from a game, and here you're playing Monday night in Kansas City. And the fact that it gives them a few more hours to, to recuperate from what will be a tough game this Sunday. And, and it will be interesting to see, and I don't want to look ahead to the Bengals because I really think Kansas City, you and I have both picked them. The Bengals are probably one of the top teams in the NFL so far this year. Oh, they definitely look like the best team in the AFC right now. And, you know, I believe it was Soshi, uh, it was either Soshi or Daniels that, that had talked about they, you know, they haven't been 100%, uh, you know, excited about what Denver's brought. And I haven't either. Um, you know, I don't think Denver's been 
been great. Uh, the Colts made a run back at them. This week's opponent, again, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, made a run at them. And, of course, they lost last week to the Denver Broncos. Uh, I'm sorry, to the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, that's very hard to win out there in Seattle. But uh, So uh, we'll see what happens because the Patriots have a big chance uh, this week to kind of establish uh, themselves as, as a team to beat if they can win in Kansas City. Tall order, Bob. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's your my expert opinion. That's my, yep. you know, one of the things you, one of the things you learn when you're in broadcasting is you don't ask a question that can get a simple yes or no answer. And, and you did you and I did. So, yep. You call me an amateur? You jerk. <laughs> that's it. You're fired. <laughs> you're traded. <laughs> oh. That's all right. Even even our good friend, even our good friend uh, uh, Russ Goldman, is a little uh, little peeved off with the New England Patriots from time yeah. to time. You know, although I got to say this one thing as as we close out the show right now, the New England Patriots won last week, sixteen to nine, and and listening to as Jerry Callahan from WEEI used to call it, the Fellowship of the Miserable, you would have thought that the Patriots got blown out forty to ten uh, last week. And I was one of those that you would have thought that if you listened to the postgame show, I, just because of the offense. I mean, people are just really frustrated and worried. But you mentioned this earlier, and you're absolutely right. Last year was the same way at the, first, at the beginning of the season. So, And they ended up third in scoring in the NFL. So hopefully that happens again this year. I would expect it to. It's just you got to get out of the way of your playmakers. You've got to put the players in the position to win. And they got to – here's what it is. They've got to settle on, on on someone to play opposite of of Julian Edelman. You've got to settle on someone, whether that's Brandon LaFell, whether that's duplicating what Edelman brings in and, and bringing Danny Amendola. We saw it during the preseason with Danny Amendola starting opposite of, of Julian Edelman. Uh, you know, you got to decide, is it going to be Tompkins? Is it going to be Dobson? Which one of these guys are going to get your your reps? Because they both need to be developed, and I thought that they they would be developed a little more. And, and I think Daniel's brought up the, the right thing, um, where it could be that Dobson is still nursing his way back because he is way too talented uh, to be sitting and, and, and basically be healthy scratches. I don't think he's 100% back yet. Um, he made a nice catch uh, against Minnesota, uh, a beautiful 13-yard strike, uh, which he would have dropped last year. I, I just, I'm interested to see what happens this week. Who's going to be the start? Who's going to be the sit? So, all right, here it is, Bob. We've already talked about, uh, you know, who the Patriots are going to play this week. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. We both are picking them to to lose, and and both by four points. You'd think we 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 got together beforehand and and talked about this, but if the Patriots are to win, what are your keys to the game? Protecting Brady. I mean that that <laughs> that is the biggest key. Is Brady gets out of this game alive um, and not being hit. And, and not just sacked, but the hits. Uh, and so that has to be my biggest key is the offensive line. And my second biggest key would be stopping the run of Kansas City. If, if the defense can stop the run of Kansas City, then Kansas City's offense doesn't scare me a whole bunch. Yeah, I'm not as worried about the, the defense stopping the run. I think that they 
learned their lesson against the Miami Dolphins. We've seen the last two weeks that they're they're really attacking the line of scrimmage. Um, my key, and, and big surprise, my key is to, to establish a balanced attack with a formidable running game and to, and, and to get the offensive line pushing forward and then, as you said, developing that play-action pass and seeing where things go. So this has been it for uh, Patriots Beat this week, the week uh, four preview leading into the uh, New England Patriots versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Monday night in Arrow at Arrowhead against those Chiefs, and that they want to set the record again that was taken away from them from the 12th man. Join me after the New England Patriots hopefully get a victory against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on the CLS Radio post game show. And the dial in number there, of course, is 347 215 7771. And get ready for our coverage all week long as we'll have behind enemy lines, we'll have the pregame, we'll have the postgame, and we'll have all of the CLNS writers, plus Rod from Pat's Gazette picking against the spread where we all are very, very, very bad. <laughs> so, you know why we don't bet a whole bunch. <laughs> you know why we don't own anything because we bet all our money out. Hey, let's so mention it, quickly our guest next week. Uh, hopefully, will be Chris Price of WEI. Yes. Yes, uh, Chris Price will be joining us next week, WEEI's uh, uh, Patriots writer. We've had Chris on in the past. He uh, he is a returning guest and uh, and one of our, our favorite guests. Of course, all our guests are our favorite guests, but we, we have some great people that have been on this show. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, the two tonight in Mark Daniels from Pro Joe and, of course, Bob Soshi coming back for his second time on Patriots Beat, the play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots. Chris Price going to come back for, I believe, his third time when we've had, of course, Jerry Thornton on a few times, Adam Jones from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and uh, Daniel Jeremiah, of course, from uh, NFL, Network. Uh, NFL Network. And we've got some uh, very exciting guests coming and, over the and next And Mike, uh, what's his name? Mike Loiko. No, 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 no. Mike. Oh, your buddy, Mike. How do you not remember his name? I do you remember. I was him. leading you, and you, you went to Loiko. I mean, Mike well, Loiko is a great guest, too, but I figured Mike Loiko is a phenomenal guest. That, that, I'm telling you right now, some some NFL team is going to look at Mike Loiko and really, he really develops great scouting reports on all these guys. He's a great follow. Follow him on uh, Twitter at Loiko underscore N-E-P-D. Uh, that, that's a shameless plug out there for uh, good friend Mike Loiko. Hey, but, uh, we need to wrap this up, partner, because I have to go do. pee so bad. Well, I'm sure the listening <laughs> audience is so excited to hear that. This, this has uh, to now, end Let me quickly. ask a question, Bob. Do you have a going problem or a growing well, I'm, problem? I'm, you know, when you reach a certain age, <laughs> your body tells you, and you don't have a whole bunch of choice. Well, until next week, I'm Jeff Kane, and my partner in crime who has to go pee-pee, Bob Snowden. Follow us on uh, Twitter at, at Boston Fat Guy and at Snowden Bob. Of course, follow Patriots Beat and at Patriots Beat. Until next week, everyone, see you later. Have a great week, everyone. Bye bye. Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.